0: What's up, guys? Connor O'Hanlon here for another episode of The Con-O Show. And today, I have a very, very special guest that I have been waiting for almost a year to bring on. Uh, I I reached out to him, I remember, in the beginning of the pandemic, we had something kind of fall through. And then, last week... Ben Dixon said he can come on so this week I have Benjamin Dixon on the show for an interview and I hope you guys enjoy it and we're going to dive right into that right now but make sure to head on over to the subscribe button down below and hit that Patreon uh, link in the description below if you would like to support the show uh, we would really appreciate it so without further ado enjoy the show Joining me today, I have Benjamin Dixon, who is a political podcaster, a YouTuber, progressive. You've probably seen him all over on Twitter, on YouTube, Facebook. I mean, he's everywhere. So Ben, I want to thank you for joining us this week and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. If I didn't introduce you, in, oh no, uh, man, that
1: was that was plenty. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm I'm excited because uh, I'll I'll. I'll I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. And for anybody that's watching this, um, the first time I, I ever heard Ben was uh, about five years ago, four or five years ago, when you were filling in for David Pakman. I was oh, okay. a, uh, I was a sophomore in college and it was about I think it was 2015, 2016. And I was starting I was 18 years old and I was just starting to get into politics. And I heard you filling in and I was like, damn, this guy is the man. Oh um, man,
1: <laughs> that was some years ago. I appreciate it though. Yeah, yeah. David, David is a great dude. Uh, uh he was definitely super helpful um in helping me get established and really just, you know, like doing stuff like that, letting me fill in for him. That that that's always helpful.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. And it's 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 cool to see like the interchanging. I, and I've talked to some other some other media figures and the interchanging and the leftist community of and we're gonna get to some of the not so good parts of it, but the the progressive lane of online media has grown so much. And to see, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I've been following you for five years. So I've, I've seen you uh, grow in popularity and and grow on. And I'm a big fan of the majority report, too. So you're always on there. Um it's really just awesome to see that. So I just wanted to say that you're a major inspiration for me starting the show to begin with. So it's a it oh, really is an honor to have you on the show. Hey man, that's
1: dope, man. And, and, and I mean that I don't I don't take that for granted because it's like you know there were people who definitely inspired me to get started, and um, and so I'm just grateful. Like if 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 I had any part in helping you launch what you're doing, man, I'm honored.
0: I appreciate it. So that actually kind of goes well into what I wanted to start off with. Um, usually I kind of start off with some sort of question about your ideology or your influences, but I, I specifically want to ask you, um, who were the major influences in your life, uh, politically speaking to get you involved, to get you engaged and that kind of influenced your ideology specifically?
1: Oh man, it's a range. It is definitely a range from, um, so I, I grew up in, um, I grew up in a religious background. Um, but I always had like this, this tension between um, parts of the religion and, and, and what I was seeing in the real world politically. Uh, and so my influences come from Malcolm X to, uh, to all the way across the spectrum to somebody like T.D. Jakes, uh, who was a preacher, all the way to um, a radio host by the name of Randy Rhodes. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She still, uh, she still does her thing every day Uh, I don't get to listen to her as much as I used to, but it's just like a really broad range because there's like different facets of my life and then each stage of my life. I mean, hell, to be honest with you, Doctor Who, (laughs) you know, all the way to, you know, Star Trek, those are like all those things literally had a direct impact on why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, And I took bits and pieces from different places and it just kind of coalesced into my own ideology.
0: That's awesome. Um, I mean, obviously... With it being Black History Month last month, I, I I spent a lot of time or at least one. I only released episodes once a week, but I spent a good portion of time talking about Malcolm X, Martin mm. Luther King and uh, Fred Hampton as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is usually overlooked, I feel like, in generally speaking, in, in leaders. Um, but I, I don't know if you feel a, uh, a personal, you know. Connection with Fred Hampton. I know yeah. I'm, a, I'm only 25. So the fact that he was murdered at the age of 21, 21.
1: Yeah. It yeah. Really no, that blows me, me. That blows me away. What I, what I love about Fred Hampton's um, is the clarity that that brother had at such an early age. Um, most of us are still trying to get in our thirties and our forties. Um, and you're right. He is, but I, I I'm grateful because, it, you know, he's not so overlooked anymore. Um, and it's almost like, you know, each generation, we have to make sure that we don't allow um, the the narrative that is forwarded by the, the mainstream institutions and the establishment to exclude our heroes, right? The people's heroes. And and Fred is definitely one of them.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, I think you can see me. So it's uh, I'm not I, I'm a young white dude from uh, the suburbs. So to me. I, I was never taught about you know some of these more radical leaders, and mm-hmm. over time I've just grown grown so much uh, affinity for them, and, and yeah. it's just I don't know. It's uh, well
1: because they they I mean they speak with a clarity, or rather they spoke with a clarity um, that you just don't get anymore. Like you, you don't get that clear eyed view of what's really wrong in the world. Uh, a focus on the greed, focus on capitalism, focus on imperialism, focus on the the stuff that we're told is good, right? We're told that greed is good. We're told that capitalism is good. We're told that imperialism is, oh, we're just spreading democracy abroad. And then to take a look back and see that there are people, you know, generations before us, like Fred, Fred's case, you know, just decades, just a few decades before us who understood that at a nuanced level. Um, of, and, and then you realize that's exactly why they don't want us to know about. Him.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a danger to the status quo as always. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different ways we can go from here, but I, I guess, uh, you've been in this, in this game for, for a long, a, a longer time than I have. Um, what are some of the major lessons uh, that you've learned? And I know that I saw you talking about it, I think on Twitter, either yesterday or the day before about uh, the engagement lately. And it's like, it's overwhelming to be, to, to try to stay engaged during a time like this with the disinformation and the misinformation coming from yeah. mainstream media. I mean, the the Republicans and even some of the Democrats. Um, so what are some of the major lessons that you've learned that you would you would instill in the next, uh, you know, in zoomers and you know, I'm the end of millennials. I, I, uh, I was okay. born in 96. So, okay.
1: <laughs> I, I'm the beginning. I'm the very oldest millennial out there. Like I've 1980s, like I'm the, I'm on the cusp of being both a G, uh, gen Xer and millennial. So I'm, I'm definitely an elder, <laughs> but, <laughs> but to answer your question, um, Every single side has disingenuous and bad faith actors who will deny the truth in order to protect their power and in order to gain power. Don't for a second think that our side has only good faith actors and their side has only bad faith actors. Now, this is the second lesson. Don't draw false equivalents and have this kind of both sides that the centrists try to live in because even in their centrist, both sides them, they're actually a part of the right wing establishment. I'm not saying that our side is just as bad as them, but I'm telling you, you're gonna run into bad faith actors amongst people that you feel like you have a common cause with. And you just gotta be willing and able to uh, circumnavigate those waters because they're not going anywhere. They're here, they're out there, they're just as big and just as vocal. And some of them are not as big, some of them are not as, but they're there. And and you just have to really have a sober eye and focus on what you're fighting for, um, more so than your own personal ambition.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a great answer. Um, it it does pivot well into how do we how do we identify those with uh, malicious intent. Um, those with, uh, they, they, they might wrap themselves in the political progressivism that we might like, but, you know, the, they're, they're out there for money. They're out there for any number of reasons. How do we identify those people? And, and, you know, I guess it's, it might be easier for someone like you or for someone like me that. We do this all the time. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I if I told you this before coming on. I'm the chairman of the Democratic Party in my town. So oh, wow. I've seen people that come to me for they want something. That's it. Right. They just want right. something. Or right. you know, but so I guess um, whether it be online spaces or organizing, and I, I believe you still live in Georgia, correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, you've probably seen that in the last year, especially with the focus oh, on Georgia. Oh, no, no,
1: it's, it's, un, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Listen, the thing is, is that, it's funny, you, you, you catch me on a day where I'm not exactly particularly optimistic, <laughs> even though I try to be. But the truth is, brother, it is the biggest hurdle that we have to progress isn't just our outright ideological enemies. It is the ambition and the ego of our friends and our comrades and ourselves, right? Because as much as we try to keep an eagle eye and see the bad actors in our circles, we also got to be aware of the bad actor inside of each and every one of us. That ambition, that ego, that that green-eyed jealousy that sneaks up in every human being and I think the first and foremost thing that we got to do is realize that we have the capacity to be that way ourselves, too, if we're not careful. It may not be on the same topic. You know, my, my what triggers my envy might not be what triggers your envy. But if we're not capable of seeing it in our own selves first, then and, and this is honestly like not just as a content creator, but as a person that's in the audience listening, if, if we can't take in consideration how we might be wrong, then we're certainly going to become a part of the problem that we're ultimately trying to fix. And so we self-sabotage ourselves by not being able to look in the mirror first. And I think if we can soberly look in the mirror and see where we make mistakes, where we are wrong, where our ideology or our ambition sometimes trumps our ideology, if we can't see that for ourselves, then we certainly can't see it in someone who's like a demagogue or somebody who is, a especially if they're saying things that we like, right? The most insidious trap to get around is a trap set by somebody who's saying exactly what you want to hear. Uh, but I think the way that we identify them is by first identifying it in ourselves. Um, and then, then we can walk soberly and really understand what's going on around us.
0: Yeah. I think that self-reflection is lost upon a lot of people. Uh, it's, uh, it's a hard, I mean, it's a hard thing to do. It it is hard to to look back and say like, Oh, I was wrong on this. I mean, I've done it. I, I mean, I specifically focus a lot on the online media space because I, I've i told this story. I mean, I was on the verge between I could have gone two different ways mm-hmm. and Bernie Sanders campaign came at the right time. I found the right people at the right time to mm-hmm. guide me because, I again, I came from a place of privilege and being a young white dude, being if you're told that. And you've never reflected on it. You never said, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I never had to worry about a house. I never had to worry about, uh, food. I never had Mm -hmm. to worry about all these things. It's hard to, it's hard to sit with that and be like, Whoa, people do actually struggle to make a living to do all this stuff. And we definitely need to work on that. I mean, everybody needs to do that and we constantly need to be doing that. Um, with that, uh, the online the online space is crowded with the people that I, I'm I'm I guess I, I'm willing to announce it today in, on some in some fashion I, I've been working on a book um, myself and I, I kind of quoted you in it and it's oh, not a direct oh, cool. quote but I took your 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 phrasing of the dumb dumb left <laughs> and, <laughs> and actually got, in,
1: in fairness I, I I got that from Michael Brooks all right, my, our, our friend
0: well, yeah to you and Michael, I mean, rest in power to Michael. Uh, I never got to speak with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I have on, when I called into the show, but I never, right. you know, never on this side. So, uh, but the power to you guys then, but the, that <laughs> I know that that, that influences people because when I ran for office in 2019, I knocked on someone's door. I said, I'm running for township supervisor and she was asking me all these things. This one, and it's anecdotal. But mm-hmm. she said, Oh, like, oh, you're you say you're a progressive. Who do you listen to uh, online? And you know, I listed a number of people. She goes, Oh, so you're a centrist. I'm like, Duh. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, like you don't yeah.
0: like Jimmy Dore or uh and I and I, I don't even like thro- throwing Kyle Kalinski with Jimmy Dore, but she uh, there she was like, You don't like them, you must be a centrist. I was like, um, i'm i got i got attacked as being a communist in this race so i don't know exactly that i'm a centrist (laughs) that's the brilliant thing about it and when i say
1: brilliant i mean absolutely asinine right because uh you know i got an fbi file man (laughs) you know i'm i'm um dude i am so far gone into my ideological beliefs about what's broken in this system that I was damn near ready to get killed for this shit, man. Excuse my language. But oh, and it's good. funny. It's funny. like And the only thing that, that kept me from being the person to march up the steps of the Capitol, uh, six months before those white supremacists did it, I had purchased a flag, a blowtorch, and a uh, gas mask. And I was going to march up the flag uh, the steps, burning the flag because it was time to set it off. <laughs> and then, but I'm the centrist, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, and the only reason I didn't do it is because I got kids and my wife was like, sit your ass at home, man, and raise the kids. And I'm like, you know what, baby, you're right. So shout out to my wife and my kids for keeping me out of jail or dead. But, you know, it's that, it's the absurdity of it all, man. These folks really are putting, there's a community that's growing around the, um, the dumb, dumb left for lack of a better phrase. I, I mean, we might as well keep using it because Michael gave it to us, but they find more in cause and more in common, rather, with right wing. I mean, people who support it and help create the military industrial complex and have have been driven by the profits of billionaires being poured into this space specifically to undermine the left. And yet we're the ones that are being called centrist. So, you know, there's really honestly, I don't know if there's anything that we can do with that because. It is part and parcel of the human dilemma. People like to hear what they want to hear. And if they're not listening to it with a critical ear, but they're listening to it with their anger only, or they're listening to it from a fanatic position, then you know, they become a cult to personality. And, and so anyone who does not fall neatly into their precise definition of progressive then becomes the enemy. And we're at the point where even Ilhan Omar, you know, who is too far progressive for the regular Democratic Party right now. She's being considered as a conservative, not even as a centrist, but as a conservative by that very group that you're talking about. Um, is there anything that can be done about it? We just got to keep working. We, we got to we actually just have to keep putting our, our hands to the plow and tilling the land and doing our job that we've been doing so far and made the best idea, uh, the best group win.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's something to be said about that, and that's it's the tough part about the 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 landscape we're in is because misinformation gets out Ugh. there just as much as It's the not record. more. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's sensationalized. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they can utilize it, and I mean, it's the horseshoe theory in action. I mean, I, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't so sure how much I really believed in it until I met. I did meet people that self proclaim themselves to be on the left. And yet they didn't. I mean, the same, the same woman, I know it's 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 one person, but I lost by 38 votes. I don't know that she voted. And it's that is LGBTQ protections that you didn't get passed. That is environmental protections that you didn't get passed. That is pensions protected for people that were working and retirements. And it's selfish because I didn't say I like your whatever Caster. some stupid <laughs> i mean if someone didn't like me I, I i'd still be able to vote for them like <laughs> right right like because listen like i mean on any given day i mean
1: i mean at this stage i have detached myself from i feel like this you're getting more honesty from me than i even bother to give online anymore because it's like uh what what's what's the rating of your show by the way are we we, we youtube only and we could cuss <laughs> you can do whatever yeah you can say whatever you like because it's like you know we're at the stage where you know fuck all that man i don't, we don't have time to engage with that level of stupidity because there's just so much more work to be done because if you're in this for the same reason i'm in this i'm actually in this to win Win on behalf of the values that we're fighting for. Like you listed LGBTQ rights, right? Uh, Egalitarianism. Everybody, I mean, and really simple. I just broke it down in this in my Twitter bio and it's very simple. And this is all I'm going to fight for from now on. You know, everyone deserves a house. Everyone has the right. Every human, not just American. Every human has a right to housing, clothing, food, shelter, education, healthcare, not access to, but actually a doctor and peace. Meaning nobody's dropping bombs from drones on anybody. Like it's the very simple, simple, practical things that we're fighting for. And to get that accomplished, we actually have to get power. What the new left is trying to do, in addition to horseshoe us around to uniting with the right, um, what they're trying to do is or actually what they're getting done is making sure that nobody can get power who has that kind of agenda. Right. Because if you think about it, if if there's literally nobody who's a progressive other than those people who listen to Jimmy Dore, like you listed, then who's going to actually be able to amass power to get anything done? Nobody.
0: And that's the way it starts. And and actually, I kind of went off on a Twitter rampage yesterday about a similar similar topic where it's a lot of a, the only way that we gain power is through well, I shouldn't say the only one of the ways that we gain power is starting very, very hyper locally and, yes. and then building our way up. Right. Right. I and, and, go, ahead, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. I was going to say, I've,
1: I've been saying, and, and to hear you say that you're like your local, your local party chair, like that's not nothing, <laughs> you know, that's actually power that can be added and built upon, right? Somebody winning. Um. Well, I, I don't, I forgot. Was it, I don't, Nevada. Was it the Nevada State Party that was basically yep. taken over by DSA yep. and then the entire establishment quit? Like, that's power. But let everyone else tell it. It's not actually power because for whatever reason, they didn't do the particular strategy that uh the new left that's merging with the right to, says that we should do.
0: It's exact. Yeah, it's exactly my point is the institutions are there for the taking. And I don't mm-hmm. mean this like I'm telling you, like. If, if you're a centrist Democrat in, in I live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, that's where I operate with this stuff in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's first congressional district. Brian Fitzpatrick is our, uh, our congressman. He's the only he's one of like three Republicans in the nation that Hillary Clinton won our one our 2016 district, but he still won in 2018. So we still have a Republican in this in this mm. scene mm. that. We should be killing. We should be killing, right. and right. we don't, because we play and we bow down to the. It's it's done. And I'm telling this to you. If the, anyone that's watching this somehow and and doesn't know this, leftists need to take the the reins of power from the hyper local level, build it up. Yes. Like you said, I, I'm I'm the chairman. That's one municipality, but it can make a difference if we all do it. And then there's counties, and then you take a yeah. county, you could take a congressional seat. You think congressionals, I mean, look at AOC, look at what AOC has done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, AOC is the new enemy of the new left. Yeah. Right? Um, all right. Everywhere I turn, she's, a, and don't get me wrong. I've got my eye on her. Like I've got, a we have to. Si- I've got a side eye on her. Right. Um, because that's where that personal ambition can become intoxicating and, and she's not above it. And so it's only right to keep an eye on her, but to, Compare her to to call her. She's a CIA, to say that she's uh, that she's an op. <laughs> okay, but she's not here. The thing R- exactly, <laughs> you know. And, and and but the the amazing thing is is that there the only route these this new left slash right has to power is accelerationism, which is to destroy the entire system and from the ashes something will emerge that they can seize power of. Now, what they don't tell you between here and there is that that's probably going to cost a good 10, 20, 30 million deaths because of conflict and war and destabilized, broken up food uh, food supply chains, you know, power grids being broken families. You know, they don't really talk about all of the chaos. That's But if they even think about it, they were like, well, America deserves. It. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, that's not going to work because I've got kids. And I imagine you want a family one day. And I imagine that if you, even if you didn't want a family, that you want some stability. How do we bring stability to a world when we are going to destabilize the entire world order and we expect on the other side that something better is going to emerge? But historically, that's not accurate. There's never been a utopia or even anything remotely close to it that has emerged from the ruins of a fallen empire, not to mention a fallen empire that has nuclear weapons. <laughs> so we're we, we're dealing with people who are who are so convinced in their ideology that they're willing to destroy the entire system in the name of their ideology, but don't even want to pick up a goddamn pen and put their name on a ballot for a local chapter.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's never, and, and look, you and I both can have critiques of like, let's say the COVID relief bill, right? We yes. can always have, oh, it should have had the $15 minimum wage. It should have had a expansion of Medicare to people. It should have had a million different things. But when it comes to like, if we got past a, a public option tomorrow, I'd be really happy. Right. But, but then the fight for the next thing comes you, right. We don't, we don't, and this is kind of where it's, we throw everything out and we keep the status quo. And that's why the horseshoe and the accelerationist stuff doesn't work. It doesn't right. work because it just keeps the status quo.
1: It always does. And the status quo in this case, though, is the exact opposite. And actually, I, I would say it won't even, be, I don't even think it would be the status quo unless you, right now, we have a pretty fascistic system right, in terms of the total control, the uh, control of the media, corporate dominance of everything. Um, But then they're also, you know, out of the ashes of accelerated, you know, destabilization and the quote unquote revolution. I think what some of our friends on the left who are uniting with the right, either are not aware of or simply don't care about is that what is most likely to emerge from those ashes is a pure totalitarian fascistic system that is dominated by, by religious zealots with guns and nu- and the codes that they've seized from the fallen government, the nuclear codes that they seized. So it's it's the establishment itself is bad. but I think people don't realize how much worse it could actually be. and I don't think they care. Because in their mind, this is really for a lot of them. This is just a means to an economic end for them. It's just a game.
0: Yeah, and I, I sometimes I catch myself saying, you know, uh, I, I get involved in the in the petty squabbles of of say like a local race, and I say, you know, well that's you know we got to play the game, and it it it's just a phrase, but. It is, it is more than a game like we're we really are talking about playing with people's lives we're talking about retirements and and just the livelihood and the freedom of people across the board but um it's uh, it's hard to accept when people that don't want to sit online and that's all that's you know there, there is, there is a part of like what we're doing here that is educational, or it's might be inspirational to somebody to go and do something, but -hmm. it's hard. It's hard for me as someone that has, uh, has run for local office, has gotten involved. And I've seen other people do so much great work. I've gotten involved with my local DSA chapter, and I've seen how many people get involved and push for different, um, you know, reforms and resolutions at the local level. And then there's just people that want to sit on the sidelines and Bitch and complain the whole time. <laughs> it's, like, it's so frustrating every time. Yeah. And it's, it's unacceptable. Um, but I guess here's, uh, here's a good, a good transition. And this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier was my, my, uh, the Twitter rampage that I was going on yesterday was about rejection of young people in politics. Um, because mm. I've seen it, um, yeah. and people were talking about, what is it? Madison Hawthorne or Cawthorne, whatever the hell that guy's name is. From the um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The young guy that was beating up the tree, right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the guy that was beating up the tree. Um, and I, I, saw people complaining about him and my, my, my critique was obviously this dude's like pretty much a fascist. Um, but The difference between the Democrats and the Republicans on this is that Democrats reject wholeheartedly young leaders, young progressive Mm -hmm. leaders in particular, whereas the Republicans will will skyrocket him to leadership. This guy or any young person that is that is a conservative, the few that there Mm -hmm. are, but they will get launched across the board because it makes them they, they think it makes them look good. So my question to you. Is why do you think that young people, generally speaking, and I've seen it on the local level, but you can sit in, at, at any level f- from your perspective, um, young people are pretty much rejected from leadership roles in the Democratic Party or any role, for that matter, in the Democratic Party, when where that's yeah. like the actual vehicle that we can use right now?
1: Well, that's because the Democratic establishment rejects um, re- rejects our ideology, Right, and it is—it's—it's it's more of the alignment of a generation with ideology than just a generational gap, right? So the Democrats would happily accept somebody who came in and was a raging centrist. <laughs> they would love that if he had a young guy who came in, or a young woman, or a young non-gender conforming individual who came in and was like, you know, means testing. Damn it, <laughs> means testing. <laughs> Democrats would elevate them to the height of the party. Look at Pete Buttigieg. That's exactly what that cornball is. Right. Um, but in terms of the Republican Party, they have enough sense to understand um, to catalyze their zealots and to catapult them, like you said, and throw them because they, they have un- they've mastered the art of political zealotry that they, they played with it for years. They danced around it for years with dog whistles. Um, And and they danced around it for an entire generation with the Rush Limbaugh's of the world. But Rush Limbaugh was constantly pushing the envelope in terms of what was in the acceptable Overton window for the Republican Party. And his last gift before he died was a full blown fascistic party where they literally celebrate death, ignorance and just like just the very worst of humanity. This is what is championed in the Republican Party now. Democrats, on the other hand, are like, oh, wait, you mean I have this donor over here who's from the healthcare industry that's going to drop, you know, six figures on my next campaign? Uh, yeah, I need you to slow down, young one. Um, so I think it's more of an alignment of the um, it's, it's the it's the fact that younger people are far more progressive and far more revolutionary. And the Democrats are just not about that life. They absolutely are not. They are as much a part of the problem. Um, as as the Republicans from that perspective, in terms of they would rather sacrifice the masses in order to protect the establishment. For Republicans, the way they protect the establishment is by uplifting psychopaths like um, like Marjorie Taylor Green.
0: Oh yeah. So my question, my question, uh, a follow up question on that is, do you? Uh, I guess I have two. Do you do you agree that the Democratic Party is the vehicle in which that we can achieve a progressive future? And if so, how do we get young people to get involved and do what the Nevada DSA did or, or any yeah. number of uh, progressive groups have done? You know, I, don't, I don't
1: believe in any institution anymore, any institution. But my non-belief in those institutions doesn't change the fact that they actually have and maintain a grip on a significant amount of power. And so... While I loathe the reality that we have to work through the Democratic Party to seize that portion of this political institution, you know, we also have to have the outside game as well. Right. And so you're doing it exactly right. And I've had episodes years ago where I was telling people, I'm like, run for your local chapter, run for your, you know, the local chair. Those things are not insignificant. Right. Those things do amass power. It takes a long time. And what you're going to find out is that from the inside, you're going to face as much hell and pushback and and uh, subterfuge and, and and just like, you know, deceit and, you know, them collaborating against you to destroy you. You're going to have the biggest fight of your life working through the Democratic Party without any question. Because there are are a couple of young people out there who are just uh, so attracted to power that they have no ideology. And so they're willing to be those raging centrists. They won't be on television. They might not run for office, but they're definitely working on the local level. They're working on the state level and they sure as hell are getting paid good money to work on the national level. And those are gonna be your number one enemies to stop you from getting anything done through the Democratic Party. It's not gonna happen without a significant fight. But if we don't fight it, Who's going to stop the Democrats? Who's going to stop the Republicans? They have the power to maintain power. And so if somebody doesn't get in there like a Trojan horse and just take it, take it over from the inside, we're going to always be fighting against this institutional power. So I hate the institutional power, but it's an institution for a reason. And we got to find a way to get at it from both the inside as well as the outside.
0: That sounded like you were uh, telling a story about myself there, because i i I, <laughs> I i've seen it i've seen it, as, and I said this last week on on, on an episode where I, I didn't have a guest; I was just talking, and uh, it's it is really really hard sometimes when you're on the inside because there are people that want to undercut you. There are one p- people that will always try to belittle this and belittle that and like you said the subterfuge of it all but it's not there's nothing that's that is inherent about me that makes me more qualified than anybody listening to this to become a committee right. person to become a chair to become the local supervisor the local auditor whatever it is right there are so many different ways to to get involved and do this stuff and i just i don't I mean, I have ideas myself, but like, I don't know, like if there's one silver bullet that will help everyone see it. And th- yeah, that's the, t- that's the toughest part for me with like the justice Democrats is like as much as I love, and they inspired me, um, but as much as I love what they did a lot, I know a lot of people overlook the local stuff to run for
1: Congress, Congress
0: and it's yeah. like, you don't you need you need to chip off at least some of that institutional support before jump making that jump it's it's not we're not all AOC we right. can't all be the the skilled uh the skilled per politician like she really is um, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the other justice democrats you know it's it's not as easy to to do that as some of them make it look um, well I
1: mean I mean it's it, it certainly is not i mean they 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 they've lost a lot of races I mean they've won oh some yeah. important ones right uh, but they I think they will be the first to tell you that it's not as easy but then the question I think you're you're hinting at is why aren't we having more focus on local um, and uh, uh, races and positions from an institutional level from a progressive institutional level and I think that's a, a really excellent question that, um, some of these organizations need to
0: answer. Yeah. And we, we've, I, I, I've seen it. I've seen some pop up where it's like run for something or it's, and look, I'm not throwing it on the justice Democrats. I'm just saying like, I I've seen it where it's cause again, they inspired me, but. I, I don't know how to instill the level of like, it is not hard to run a campaign on the local level. It's time consuming it could be frustrating it's but you learn so much about the 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 cogs in the machine and it's so easy if you just volunteer at the polls for a day you start seeing and noticing things that you wouldn't have known otherwise it's it's kind of crazy to think about it um but i i'm trying i'm trying to figure it out and and if by any means if you ever figure out how to get people uh interested in local well, so, politics, you you send them my way because I so I it's involved.
1: happening though. Like like I want to like on the on the flip side, it's happening. Look at you. Look at what happened in Nevada. Look at it. Like there's a lot of people who want to get active and be a part of this who don't have the ego enough to like run for Congress the first time out. Man, that's kind of an egotistical kind of move when you consider you know this this is the greatest the and when I say greatest I want you to put in a, when I say great I mean biggest the biggest the most powerful Empire in the history of empires you got to have some gall to be like okay I'm gonna run for Congress <laughs> and so there are plenty of people who are honestly more level-headed who say I'm gonna get started where I can get started and I, and I think it's happening as we speak it's never glamorized it's never glamorous it's never uh, you know, written about in the magazines, and so honestly, I said magazines. That shows you I am really an elder millennial. <laughs> I'm, I'm an old man. <laughs> that's never really written about online, right? And 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 I think that's some of the problem is that we don't, as a as a as media institutions, we don't pay attention to what's happening on the local level, like really down to the local party chair. You know, we don't get articles written about that. Um, and maybe that's a good thing, because that means that a lot of people are moving in silence to do these kind of things. And, and, and I, I just I mean, I'm taking you as well as what's happened in Nevada, as well as a couple of other people who have been in touch with me. Like there are people who are out there doing it and we just need to encourage it and, and, and push more people to do it. Because here's the last thing I say about it. Uh, um, I don't think <laughs> I don't think you're worthy of calling yourself a revolutionary if you didn't first start trying to change your local chapter of anything like if you just start locally don't talk to me about a goddamn revolution don't talk to me about overthrowing the system when you didn't even try to run for your local party chair what are you even upset about like i think the people who really should burn this bitch down are the people who actually try to work with the system not the people who just on the sideline giving commentary.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. <laughs> I think that's where my frustrations come. It's like if we united and had power, uh, a lot of the problems would go away if we really not go away exactly, but they'd be lessened at least. We could fight for Medicare for all if we controlled uh a hundred congressional seats at least. And 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 then mm-hmm. we start we start we start from that conversation. Um I wanted to get to a, to some final questions before I know I, I don't want to hold you up for too long. Um, but this, if, if someone asked me yesterday, if I could ask you one question, what would it be? And I wanted to ask you, what was it like at the front, uh, forefront of like, uh, I don't even know if it's like a battle I would say, but I view it as a battle against the oligarch Michael Bloomberg in, <laughs> the, in the 2020 election. Um, and and just just to just to preface that um, because I I was out of a job at the time, but they they offered me five thousand dollars to go organize for him for three weeks. Oh wow! And I was like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen! I was poor
1: enough at the time. I might have would have taken <laughs> taken the job. I thought about it. Was, I, was,
0: I was living in the basement.
1: I thought I mean, about this it. This is how they. This is this is this is how the system breaks you, man. Like it's like it breaks you down till you like we're excited about the fourteen hundred dollar checks versus the two thousand that they promised us versus the two thousand a month that we're supposed to be getting like other nations are giving their people, right? So the system breaks you down to the point where to a point of desperation where you would even consider taking that money from Michael Bloomberg. I want to be honest with you, man. It was the most basic research, uh, that, that led me to that audio. Um, and it just happened to fall into the hands of a guy like me, who's perfectly suited to address an oligarch and a racist because it's class and race to me, you know, uh, it's, it's the, it's, it's class and race, neither to the detriment of the other, um, in terms of this political fight. And so it was, be honest with you, it was a blessing because before that, like, you know, since this is why. That's why I say fuck those people, man. Because I I did this for five years before I made a dime off of this. Five years of paying my money to do it. I was paying more money to be hosted as a podcast on the on the podcast system I was on than I ever made from the podcast. And and I kept at it, and I just kept doing it because I believe this shit, right? So motherfucker, everybody who's like, oh, oh, he's just this, 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 no, 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 no. Let me see how many of them will put five years in the game simply because they believe what they're saying. And so, finding that information on Michael Bloomberg really did turn a whole lot of things around for me because one, it was the perfect message suited for me because we cannot allow our country to be dominated by oligarchs ever again, especially not in the office of the White House. Right? We, you know, if if, if we if if he see if if Michael Bloomberg seized the White House, there would be no difference between the, I mean, it's like the ruling elite came down from their pantheon and sat into the in, in the White House and, and just removed at least that political figure. Of course, we have political figureheads who are still doing the bidding, but there's a difference between a political figurehead doing a bidding and the actual oligarchs themselves sitting in that seat of power. And so you know, it was a perfect message for me. And I got, I I, I say I got lucky, but it was really like just some diligent research. It was like only two hours of research. And I found all of it and I packaged it up. And it was because I had put so many years in the game that I had relationships with enough people to be like, Hey, check this out. Check this out. Hey, check this out over here. This news outlet, you need to see this. And I, and I think I sent out like, I don't know, three, four, 500 messages. And finally it picked up enough steam to take them down, and um. So I mean, to me, it's just more of a testament to um, just doing some basic goddamn research, uh, and then it's also a testament to the fact that our mainstream media does not do that because it was sitting there right online for anybody to find.
0: Yeah, you're, you're so right, and I don't know, you you like almost sent chills down my spine there because I was just like the the work that people put in. It's and it's so apparent your passion for this stuff and. It's inspirational to me. And that's why I wanted to ask you about it because it's like that. I don't know. It makes me think like you're the, you're the one, you're, you're one guy standing up against a guy with billions and billions of dollars. And I know, you know, we, we had an online, online people supporting it and promoting this stuff, but it's scary as hell sometimes to put <laughs> it. It's, I mean, and, and look, I, I'm seeing is. this from, from my perspective, I haven't done anything like that. And I, I I, mean, I'm not going to say it was like a the single handed thing that like shot down his campaign, but that was important information for all of us to have and all of us to see. Um, and it definitely did not help him that we all well, saw it. I mean, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little
1: bit here, but I also got to pat Elizabeth Warren, because when she took that video, the video that I found. By the way, no, I know you. that's me. (laughs) No, you can pat yourself on the back all you want, (laughs) but it was, it was, and this is what made Bernie Sanders at that debate the 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 debate that went immediately after I broke that story. Bernie Sanders had the first go at Michael Bloomberg, and he let that man off the ropes. And I was like, "Holy shit, Bernie! You should have closed the deal." But here comes Elizabeth Warren, when she had absolutely no problem getting that man up against the ropes, and she used that video. And she just pummeled him in that debate to the point where he looked like a weak, incompetent, frail little man child. And that was the end. I mean, of course, he had enough money to sustain himself, but that was the end of people being interested in him. And so, you know, in terms of like your broader your, your broader comment there, it is. a uh... <sighs> Man, look, it's 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 part glamorous and it's an enjoyable ride. But it's also a very vulnerable ride when you realize you really are dealing with people who could, you know, take his pocket lint and and just completely shut me down. Like, you know, so it's kind of like good sport. He was a good sport because they made a pass at trying to, you know, the first day out, they tried to attack me personally. And, and, you know, they're on CNN with it and they came with their guns blazing. Um, But that didn't resonate with anybody. And so if he wanted to. He's got enough money to pull up anything on me that he wanted to pull up and and try to destroy my character. Thankfully, I don't have a whole lot in my in my background that he could use against me. But I'm just saying these things because these are the type of things that people are faced with, right? Let's up the ante. Let's talk about if you, you know, get information on the military industrial complex. Look what they do to you. You know? Look at Reality Winner. They literally destroy your life. They have no problem doing it. And so I got off easy because it was nothing more than a glamour campaign for him. And so he was like, all right, fuck it. I lost and he got me bowed out. But if you do something for real where it's a, you know, you you actually break, you know, look at Edward Snowden. <laughs> you know, I'm not a huge fan of Julian Assange, but fuck, look at what to do with Julian Assange. Like this system has no problem whatsoever destroying you. And you gotta have, you gotta have a community that supports you and protects you. And, well, later on in that narrative, you find I don't even have that community anymore because, you know, like the left thinks I'm going to sell out now. But it's OK. It's all good. So it's, it's a lonely road out here. But it's also um, if you really believe what you're saying, you don't give a shit. You don't care. My wife was so down. My wife is down. The only thing she didn't want me to do is go march up the steps of the Capitol burning a flag. But in terms of the work that we do on an everyday basis, you know, she's down for the cause, too. So it's like if we're out here by ourselves, fuck it. We still got to do what we got to do.
0: Well, I'll say this as somebody that is a fan of yours, you're not alone. Uh, There's plenty of us that still really love you and the work that you're putting in. Um, And I I, I even like it. Sometimes I'm waking up and uh, I see the videos on Twitter. You working out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a a powerlifter. So to (laughs) me, I'm like, all right, now I got to step my game up. (laughs) And I just, Hey, it was one of two things. I was either going
1: to get even bigger in the pandemic or get this shit together. And so, Yeah, I managed to go the opposite direction that most people are going in the pandemic. So it's just a, it's a matter of keep it up now. It's like, you know, keeping up and going a little bit further. So got to get some shoulders like you got going on over there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, thank you. Um, So I'll finish up with one final question, if I may. Um, And this is just a, it's a broad ideological question, but if you could hand someone, one book to read you could guarantee that they were going to read it and understand it
1: jesus christ
0: what That's book tough. would you give them <sighs> it is a hard I'm, one I'm, i i I'm thought of this my, earlier and i was I'm like looking Whoa. at my
1: library right my it's, a, it's not really a library it's a couple of books uh let me think i don't even think it would be a non-fiction book um I, I, mm. there, okay, no, it is a nonfiction book and I got to go all the way back to one of the first books that really kind of sparked my mind in a very specific way. And mind you, I don't, when I went back to read this book, it's called, um, The Community of Self by Dr. Naeem Akbar. Uh, He was a professor at Florida A&M University. And when I went back to read the book recently, I was like, "Mm, not really a book that I would read again. But when I read it, I was about 24. And it really connected the dots for me in ways that it, it just kind of, it did something for my synapses. It just kind of really elevated my way of thinking about myself, about who I am as individual, all the different parts that make me, me. And it was more of a book about self-reflection. Then it got to some stuff that I was like, I didn't agree with politically or ideologically, but the first part of that book really for a person who has nothing has, doesn't, hasn't done a whole lot of reading. It's a really short book. And if you're like a person who doesn't have a lot of time, and isn't like steeped in theory and rhetoric of any kind, I would definitely say start with that book the first couple of chapters because it teaches you about you. And I think what we do wrong is we jump right into theory and, you know, of course I could say like um, the Communist Manifesto, right? Uh, That's another easy read that's really easy to understand. But when you don't have an understanding of yourself and you first start with trying to have an understanding of the world, I think you leave yourself vulnerable to demagogues who will preach to you what they want you to hear versus what you are establishing for your own self identity. So it's not really a book that's a political philosophy book as much as a a book about self reflection on yourself. Now, if you're older and you've been doing a whole lot of reading, you probably will read that book and be like, eh, I'm good. But if you're in a, if you're in an age where you haven't done a whole lot of reading and you're trying to discover just another way of thinking, um, I would say the first couple of chapters of that book really changed my life. So, um, and, oh, one other thing. There is a poem that I learned in third grade that was written by a jingoist racist. I hate to even mention it, but I swear to God, every other day, something happens in my life where I remember that poem and I'm like, yep, Roger Kipling told me that was gonna happen. And and if if you don't have time for a book at all, it is the most basic poem that you learn in elementary school. But god damn it, every other day life has proven that poem to be so true. And as if everybody learns it somewhere around second grade, third grade. But just keep it in the back of your mind, because I swear to God, the more you try to change things in society, the more you realize that you deal with people who are going to lie on you and you don't have the luxury of of dealing in lies. People are going to be losing their shit and then they're going to be blaming it on you. And it's just a constant struggle to look yourself in the mirror and not only be able to question yourself, but also have confidence in yourself. And I would say those two very basic, uh, uh, that very basic elementary point as well as that very basic book, um, the community of self by Dr. Naeem Akbar, they give you a good starting point for self-reflection. I would say start with self-reflection before you start with theory.
0: That's that's a great answer. I pre- I never heard of that book, but I'll have to check it out. Um, so I definitely will be. Yeah, I think it
1: might be fifty pages at most, but it's a it's a good read.
0: Okay, sweet. Yeah, I started with the Federalist paper. so in, oh, in wow. comparison to that, it might be a little easier. Yeah, Uh no, it's definitely easy because, you know, I
1: mean, I don't want to hold you.
0: Oh, you're not holding me. Trust me. I got (laughs) nothing all day. What
1: I've found is people who have a great wealth of knowledge in terms of theory. But absolutely have no character whatsoever. And that's how we get where we are right now, where people can see some philosophical identification with our oppressors. Because everything about the right in this country is directly connected to the oppression that we claim to be fighting against. So how the absolute fuck can you be a person so steep in theory and think it's reasonable and rational for us to make an alliance with the very people who have been trying to destroy us all of this time? And, the only, and, and, then, and then an even bigger question. How the hell did we sit by and let 527,000 people die in this country and we didn't burn this country to the ground? It's because I think our country has done an amazing job of growing us to know a lot of books, but not know ourselves. And if we understood the value of our individual selves and even more so the value of our collectivism, our collective body politic, if we understood the value of human life, not only would we never align with our oppressors, but we sure as hell would never have sat by and let this many people die and we not burn this motherfucker to the ground.
0: I probably couldn't say it better myself. I guess (laughs) I always say, I I mean, I always love, uh, when, when I get to hear people say power to the people, uh, that's Uh, always, that's what I got. I I held a black lives matter protest in my little town. Uh, but we had a couple hundred people and I got everyone mm -hmm. to say power to the people. And I was like, all right, this is pretty badass." (laughs) man, all power to the people,
1: man. Exactly. And shout out to, to, to Fred Hampton. That's a wonderful way to dovetail it, you know, he said, black power to black people, white power to white people, yellow power to yellow people, all power to all people. And that's, that's, that's what we're talking about now.
0: Yes. Oh man. Uh, well with that, uh, I want to thank you again, Ben for coming on. Um, can you, uh, let people know where to find you for, you know, I, I don't have that large of an audience. But oh, man. For anybody back. <laughs> no problem. I do it too. Hey, this was so funny. I had like, I had a congressman on
1: my show one time. I was like, could you tell everybody how to get up with you? I'm like, (laughs) and no, in his mind, he was like, dude, more people know who I am than you. No, but it's the same question I ask every single episode. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Find me on Twitter at Benjamin P. Dixon. And you can find me on YouTube, uh, The Benjamin Dixon Show. And more importantly than any of that, I want them to go and support this program. Make sure that they're a patron of you. Make sure that they hit that share, like, and subscribe button. Um, because we have to make sure that we uplift as many voices who at least have some self-reflection going on in their life. <laughs> Even if it's just a little, please find more people like you, brother. And, uh, and we want to help uh, amplify all of it.
0: Well, I really appreciate that. That really means a lot um, coming from someone like you. Um, so like Ben said, <laughs> check it out, Twitter, YouTube, um, you're on Facebook too. I've seen you on there. You have the highest quality camera I've ever freaking seen for hey. webcam. And next oh. time I'll use
1: it. I, I, my kids are in the main room right now. No, you're up. good. So, uh, you're next good. Time I, come I, I on, just. I have my camera
0: on. <laughs> I just. Lo- I just think it's amazing how 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 high quality that camera is. I've commented it a million times. I'm like Jesus. That is clear picture. Um. Man, <laughs> and,
1: hey, we try to. Hey, we try to do stuff with excellence, man. So um, I appreciate that. I'm glad. I'm glad it's. It, we, we're hitting the ball in the right direction
0: sweet sweet so thank you very much i appreciate it thank you guys so much for watching and i hope you enjoyed that interview with benjamin dixon he's a great guest and i really appreciate him joining me um if you can do what he said hit the subscribe button hit the like button go on over to our patreon i would really appreciate it and with all of that, be sure to check out Ben's stuff if you don't know who he is somehow. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure most people watching this do, but uh, if not, go check his stuff out because he's amazing. Um, and with that, I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for checking this out, um, and I'll see you next week. Stay safe, peace.